Hey there, special educator. Before we dive into today's episode, I have something exciting to share with you. If you've ever struggled with writing impact statements for your IEPs, and let's be honest here, what special educator hasn't found themselves at some point staring at a blank box and a blinking cursor wondering what in the world to type? My free guide is just what you need to get those brain juices flowing. Introducing Impact Statement Mastery, your step-by-step guide to writing personalized IEPs. This free guide is designed to help you craft impactful, personalized statements with ease. You'll get expert tips and strategies, easy-to-follow formats, and real-life examples that bring theory to life. It's absolutely free and a must-have for every special education teacher and related service provider. To get your copy, just visit www.spedprepacademy.com slash impact statements, or check the link in the episode description. Now let's get started with today's episode. You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferberg, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Well, welcome back to episode 139 of the SPED Prep Academy podcast and part nine of the SPED Teacher Small Talk, where my co-host Paul Hubbard and I have an open and honest conversation about a random topic within the field of special education. So, Paul, how has the beginning of your school year been? Uh, I tell you what, the beginning of the school year is always like, I must block it out because <laughs> it's just like a blur. And then it's like, wow, I I can't believe that I do this every year, but I then all of the beginning of years flood back to me. I'm like, yep, this is this is the norm. This is exactly how crazy it is. Uh, but it's, you know, it must be some amnesia from year to year. Yeah, it's like the birth of a child. You just forget how bad it was. And then you, you enjoy the rest of the school year. And then bam, you're right back into it. Yeah, I wouldn't totally know about good. the birth of a child. So <laughs> take your word for it. Well, are you ready to spin the wheel and see what we're going to discuss today? Definitely. Okay, we got how to best support general education teachers. I think that's a really important one because that's something that as special ed teachers we have to we have to do. We all all of us have to figure out a way to collaboratively work with our gen ed teachers whether we have um even even those sped teachers who have self-contained classrooms you're going to have to have probably a teacher of record and have your kids going to some type of specials classes. So I think that all of us at some point in time work with special education or work with general education teachers, some of us more than others. But how, how do you want to start this conversation? What's what's the most important aspect to you? It's a gr- great question that I hope that I can answer correctly. Um, <laughs> it is it is one of those situations uh, where it is so dependent on a lot of things. It can be dependent up upon the the amount of school involvement has encouraged, like gen ed and special ed uh, working together. That can make a big difference. We've got, uh, there's a lot of different styles of the way the schools are set up to make it more collaborative or less collaborative. Uh, so it's really, it's really 
just depending on the situation. And that is a total political answer right there, just like covering the bases. But <laughs> it's really very different because you're putting like you're talking about two different kinds of people and two different kinds of environment, like or different environments, different classrooms. And then you put that into a whole different school, which runs differently on collaborative working and thinking. So like short answer is uh, you'll have to tell me the specifics and then I can give you like pointers. <laughs> but uh, I, I can think of a couple things that I think are universally very important. Um, first thing that comes to mind is as a special ed teacher, you are an expert in behavior management, in uh, data, in uh, helping uh, problem solve academic struggles. Use that. Don't uh, have some confidence, have some uh, ability to be like, okay, I'm stepping in uh, with the idea that kids are the the most important aspect of it, you know, giving them what they need. Uh, that can be a, a failed step at times because it's, it is hard to be like, okay, so I'm going to talk to this teacher that has 30 other kids to worry about. And I'm going to keep talking about this one that is on my list, you know, on my caseload. And I'm going to keep talking to them about them. Um, that can be like, it seems a little like, like, I don't want to really push it. I don't want to you know, bother them. I feel like I'm always bothering them. But in the same way, that kid, you know, are you expecting that kid to stand up for himself and, and to push his own services? Like, what are you expecting the kid to do? Just hopefully, you know, figure it out. You know, maybe, you know, maybe he knows about his disability and is self-aware and is able to stand up for himself. If that's the case, that's awesome. But likely that is not the case. And so oh, go ahead. So you're talking about professional boundaries, like um, setting up and maintaining those professional boundaries, including each other's um, time, space and areas of expertise. I think that they need to realize that you're not a consultant. You're not just a, uh, a helper, a TA, a professional, uh, a paraprofessional in the room. You are an expert mm -hmm. in very specific area. You you were like, like I've used many times, we are the special forces of the education world. We take the exceptions, we take the, the struggles, the challenges, and we know how to work with those kids and help them through those. And we, I think too often discredit that is like, oh, they're not going to really take into consideration what I say. But really, like, there is some aspect of it that is like, you just gotta like, be confident in your abilities. You mm -hmm. are good with kids. You are, you do know how to regulate students who are easily dysregulated. You do know how to create that uh, environment for that kid to thrive. And that, and that is important first step, I think, because that's an internal step. That's something for you. That's just saying like, I am the expert. Mm -hmm. I have something to share. I have something to to add to this conversation. This is not, you know, the gen ed teacher, regardless of the situation, you know, you know, if, if you're a resource teacher, self-contained teacher, whatever, when you're interacting with your IEP team, which includes gen ed teachers, it's you know legally required that a gen ed teacher be present. That means you need to realize, like you need to accept the responsibility for what happens for that kid. 
That is your job. That is your purpose at that school is to be the the most informed advocate for that student uh, at that meeting. So once you get that confidence, once you develop that um, sense of, you know, I am the expert, I, I can do this, I'm going to lead this team well, then I think the next step is developing that relationship with those teachers and having um, both a, a professional, but also some type of personal relationship where you're able to share ideas and have an open, open communication with this other person, person have a, have a, a good mindset, have a, a positive attitude. And so that both of you can you know, work together to adopt better relationships and have mutual respect and empathy for each other. I agree. I think that it's, it's really, really takes a lot of social engineering to, to develop this very specific example. It's like, you aren't their superior. You Mm. aren't their, you know, they don't report to you. You guys are like, although there's some schools where it fluctuates you guys should be about the same in, in terms of rank and whatever the balance that that takes to, to be like, okay, I am advocating for this kid, no matter what I am the expert. You need to put into place what I have in the IP. It's a legal requirement. Also though, have having an understanding is like, I know you didn't go to college in this. I know you don't know this stuff. I don't want you to feel like I'm ramrodding this, this whole scenario. I don't want you to feel like I'm, I'm forcing you or running over you because of my confidence in my ability. You know, that's very, a very, very small tightrope to walk on. Um, And it takes a lot of energy to do that. Um, You are going to, well, we'll finish this thought, but it brings me to the third thing, which is you needing to have your own self-care to replenish that energy. We'll talk to that in a minute, but the, energy that it takes to build that relationship is so important. You need to have it. You need to invest in your teachers. So something that I do, just a, a small thing, I started a a survey that is now a school-wide thing, but it was originally just for me. I did it because I needed to know the staff that I interacted with. I needed to know what their favorite treats were. You know, my, my TAs, my gen ed teachers, whatever it is that I just asked for the whole schools just so I'd have it just in case they, they helped me out or, or needed a little extra motivation. And I started at that the first year uh, at my current school. And that was so valuable because so many times when it's been tense or when it's been not necessarily between each other, but just like there's a lot of stress involved in this students IEP, or maybe the parent isn't happy with certain things and is this high tension situation. Well, it means a lot to drop in that little note with that candy bar into their mailbox, just saying, Hey, thank you for what you're doing. I know that this is challenging. Let's do this together. I think you're a huge, valuable part of this team. And I wouldn't want to do this with anyone else. Now, obviously don't like just bolt face lie. So if that's not true, don't say that. But like, <laughs> if the find there's always something you can say that's going to be encouraging. And there's a good chance because they're working in an area they're not an expert in, they're not trained in, there's a good chance that they just feel out of their depth and need some of that compassion and, and just like a, hey, I see you. 
I see mm-hmm. you doing your best. I know that it's not quite what I've wanted. You know, I've voiced that there's some things that I would like to see improved, but I see your efforts and I appreciate your efforts. I think both parties should view each other as collaborators instead of com- competitors. Like you said, we're we're on the same level. We We both have, you know, we're not administrators. Special teachers are not administrators. We're we're on the same level as them, and we're we're trying to work together for the benefit of the student. And we need to make sure that we value those shared goals. We need to make sure that we value each other's opinions and work to collaborate instead of trying to one up one up each other. And I love that idea about finding out their their sweet spot and and providing them with a little bit of. Um, recognition for for what they're doing. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, we're working so hard to develop these relationships and we're, we're giving everything we had. And you said, you mentioned putting something back into yourself. So tell me a little bit more about what you meant about that. Yeah. So self-care has, that's been my biggest thing this last year. Um, There was like, I'm co-hosting a special ed podcast and before that, I had my own podcast. And I'll tell you what, I, I think last year I was the closest to burning out that I've ever been. And I really spent some time working on figuring out what I could do to help give myself that that self-care, that, that little bit of energy refill uh, that I have figured out. And I can't, I can't encourage enough anybody anybody listening teacher students principal uh random joe on the street (laughs) if you get the opportunity and have the opportunity to find an outlet some sort of therapy some sort of person to talk to about what's going on and then how stressful it is and working through some of that stress whatever that looks like i would highly encourage you to do that because um, talking it out with someone is just super valuable. And I think too often we think of, of therapy as like, oh, that means I'm incapable of doing it myself. Well, I don't, I don't believe that we were created to do things by ourselves. I think we, our community, uh, at our roots, we are a community based, uh, species and mm-hmm. we need to have each other, you know, that's going back to earliest humans they were they lived together in colonies they needed to to survive and i think we've kind of isolated ourselves with technology a little bit and that has led to not being as willing to ask for help because we're so distant from uh, the other people so that's kind of um my first you know my first recommendation right off the bat the second thing is you've got to set boundaries. You've got to set boundaries. That is so important in any area of your life. And boy, does it, (laughs) I had a really revolutionary experience. It changes your life when you finally say no to something. It really does. And Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't realize that. Like there are some things, obviously, if you say no to you, it's like, well, then I'm going to say no to you working here. Bye-bye. No, but like, there's some things that you're required to do, but there are a lot of things as a teacher that aren't required of you. 
And sometimes saying no means saying yes to what matters. And that shift dramatically changed uh, my approach to self-care. Uh, and I don't want to, I could spend a whole episode talking about self-care. Hopefully, maybe we can add it to the wheel and we'll talk about it sometime. But uh, I would just encourage you, like, when there comes to any relationship, whether it's a marriage relationship, a, a parent-child relationship, whatever relationship you're dealing with, it requires you to make self-investments as well. So kind of segueing back into working with Janet teachers, making sure that you are are able to be professional by having mm -hmm. enough personal energy and resilience to to do that is important. All right. Yeah. So let's talk about So we're kind of going over the most important parts. Again, it really depends on the circumstance. Number four, I would say, is the most important is communication. Um, communication with your gen ed teachers is can make the difference between a lot of work being low stress or not. I, I a piece of advice that I was given many years ago was to clearly communicate, and it has served me so well throughout my career. Just having those open lines of communication with regular education teachers that you work with is it's just truly essential because the needs of the students and the demands of the curriculum, everything that, you know, dealing with IEP goals, everything is in constant flux. The, the two teachers, we really must exchange information so that we're on the same page at all times. And the means of communication can be varied. I think that there's different ways of communication. Technology allows us to um, to not have to have a full blown out conversation if, if we don't have the time for that. But whatever it is, communication, um, as much as possible, keep it going. Definitely. I agree. I think that I think that setting up that precedence is very useful because like if you are the expert in these specific areas, then holding in that information is is really kind of mean to do. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's something that is is even more detrimental because it's like, well, I know I would do better because I know how to work with these kinds of students. And that's kind of like, I, I don't know, we have it. I've run into it with staff in the past where they use that power, that knowledge as some sort of bargaining chip for their own like twisted, <laughs> twisted way of, of being like lording over us or having a higher status. And that's so unfortunate when that happens, especially when it's in leadership. Um, but the, I think the, the biggest thing that you can do the action step. So, so far we've talking about like, these are very general things. The action step that you can take is make sure that you have a system for time management for communicating. So like if you, if you have an IEP meeting, that gen ed teacher needs to know that they're in the meeting. They need to n fill out a gen ed survey. They need to have time to collect samples. They need all this time and it needs to be not the day before, not the week before, but like I would say 10 days is the same as the parents. Make sure mm -hmm. that they have equal to, or at the very least, um, at the very least, very near the same expectation as the legal requirement for parents to know like in advance because they are it, if they are to have an important impact on the meeting they need time to be like okay let me focus 
take it from 30 kids down to one. Okay. Now I can start evaluating him. I want time to like, I would like as a gen ed teacher, I would like time to be like, okay, I've got to start thinking about the student, how I interact with them, what accommodations I give him and start putting that into, into action and, and then being able to observe it in class, be like, okay, now that I'm, I have him on the mind, now I can watch my behavior towards him and his behavior towards me and kind of get an idea. And I, I think that that is super valuable. And when you wait to the last minute, that adds that stress of like, now I don't know. Yeah. I'm going in blank. I don't have an ability to, to make a, an, a big investment in this meeting, this outcome, because I don't know what to do. Like, I don't, I just don't have any clue. You mentioned professionalism, and that is definitely part of how we should act professionally is to make sure that we're getting that stuff to them and from them in a timely manner and not, I mean, have you ever had that, like early on in my career, I would forget to do this. And so the the teacher would come to the meeting, not prepared. And if you're wanting to you know, ruin a relationship real easily. That's how you can do it is not give them time to prepare for a meeting because it puts them on the spot. It embarrasses them. It's just, it's not fair. Yeah. It's not professional. So definitely always remember to give them plenty of time to get ready for the meeting as well. Yeah, definitely. I've, and I, <laughs> I've been guilty of it before too. It is, it's very hard. Like there's so many things to think about when scheduling a meeting. There's so many things you know, we have to have paperwork done. We have to have data collected. We have to have all this stuff done. We have to invite everyone. We have a very strict legal requirement on notifying parents in that process. Sometimes the Jenna teacher gets the short end of the stick. Sometimes mm-hmm. that when it comes to all those things, uh, which every Gen Ed teacher I've ever talked to has been like, you got it. That, that That's you. I don't ever want to touch your job. You know, <laughs> I think that what you put up with is crazy. But in the same way, you should value them by giving them advance notice on things as, as much advance notice as they can have. And I think that that's uh, one of the most important action steps you can take. I think going along, I mean, it's probably another one, but going along the same lines as as that is to provide them with resources, whether that's professional development that they need, whether it's actual hands-on resources, tools, whether it's data sheets, you know, anything that you can find that's going to make their job with that student in their classroom easier for them is going to go a long way in developing that interdepartmental relationship. Definitely. Yeah, that's, I think that, it is, I mean, it is similar, but it is different in a subtle way. Like you also have that expertise in terms of like what has worked in similar situations in the past. And that is something that you can bring to the table and really benefit uh, from. But one of the things that I, I do want to kind of reiterate is that the gen ed teacher is extremely valuable in the student success that is the the goal is for them to be enough by themselves yeah for the student that is the goal that is the end goal is that the student would be able to be in the gen ed setting and have uh everything that they need to to be successful and i think that with that in mind that makes them 
not the most important, but pretty, pretty close to the top mm-hmm. of yeah. what is important. And that requires, if, if that's the goal, then that needs to have a little bit more priority, in my opinion, based on the attitude of, of other SPED teachers that I've talked to. I think that there needs to be a higher priority on, on working with the gen ed teacher because they are so important. I know that. I learned that this last year because I had teams that I worked with, uh, teams of teachers, because we do the partner room thing as a resource teacher. And I had a team of teachers that invested and I provided them resources and I gave them, you know, they were willing to hear my uh, strategy. They brought me in on celebrations and discipline. They didn't just call me in when there was a problem. They also called me in when there was something to celebrate for a student that we shared. And that investment led to everyone that I pulled from that class making grade level jumps of growth in one year. And then I saw other gen ed teachers who weren't as willing to hear my, you know, advice or resources or just were overwhelmed and not able to to effectively uh, put it into practice because there is so much that they were worried about before then. And I saw those kids just they just didn't make as much growth. But I need to reiterate that having a gen ed teacher who is following through with the the accommodations and and investing into the student and giving them that extra extra push uh, and and challenging, seeking to be like, okay, you're in my class, you have a disability, but that's not going to mean that I don't make you try. You have to try. You have to be challenged. And that teamwork, that dynamic uh, can be hugely valuable for a student to have success long term. Yeah. I, I just had a thought when you're when you're saying that. I feel like as special ed teachers, we're supporting our gen ed teachers. We're providing them with that support the same way that we're providing the support to the students. And eventually you get to where you have special ed or general ed teachers who really don't need your support. They know what they need to do. They know when to make the accommodations. They know when not to make the accommodations. And you know, the the longer you teach this, the more connected you get to those those teachers that um that have been there a while and you develop this relationship where you're kind of um you don't have to train them anymore you know they they get to a point where you're just working cohesively and that's i think that's an amazing goal to shoot for is to be on the same page at all times definitely i think that the more you can do to foster that relationship with the gen ed teacher and communicate and let them know how valuable they are for your students that are on your caseload and how much they can make a difference in in that. Because I think that sometimes gen ed teachers are like, well, I'm going to do my best, but that's mm-hmm. a lot uh, kind of a thing. Is like I have 30 other kids. I keep saying 30 other kids because our district is maxed out because we're oh, wow. so short on teachers right now. So many classrooms have 30 kids. It is ridiculous. Um, that's a whole nother topic, but the, you know, when you have that many kids to worry about, it's so hard to differentiate. And, you know, I, I feel for them because I'm like, that is ridiculous. That's ridiculous that Mm -hmm. you should have that many kids and have kids that are pushing in with documented disabilities. Like that is a, a really difficult task. But the cool thing is if we take the approach of, Hey, so I'm special forces I have a lot of training on this. 
and you are really good at the normally gen ed teachers really good at the academics and getting kids to to be motivated to learn that is a gen ed strength that i often see and when you combine those two together and they're working cohesively it's like a two stroke engine that is just powerful and can move over any terrain and any challenge because that that combination of of academics i know that for me the times that i have taught grade level academics are very few and far between typically i'm doing you know interventions to get them you know a couple grade levels behind what their grade level is they're 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 labeled grade level and so we have something to learn from them in that academic you know the academic presentation that getting 30 kids to do anything that's an impressive feat and we need to respect that and honor that and 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 let them know that we see that we see that they are not they are not a uh, insignificant part of this IEP team they are an expert in the academics that's why they're legally needing to be there because mm -hmm. someone needs to speak on how they do with their same age peers that are you know typically developing or or not neurodivergent those kinds of of teachers those kinds of inputs have so much value in the the special ed team and i think that that changing our perspective as special ed teachers and being like, okay, this is not just someone I have to invite legally obligated to invite this person. Let's team up mm -hmm. as two experts, two BA teachers that are willing to like do what needs to be done for these kids. And not only will you see growth in the, the students that have the IEPs, but the whole class will rise to the occasion when you are working together in that cohesive manner. Yeah, I think that's well said. And I think we all need to remember that we're all working towards the same goal. And we, we've got to we've got to love on and appreciate our gen ed teachers. So I really appreciate you having this conversation with me. I'm glad that it came up. I think that every special education teacher needs to hear the importance of collaborating with their gen ed teachers. And so I guess we'll end it there. And we will, I guess I'll see you again in October for number 10. All right. Looking forward to it. All right. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for sticking with me until the end. I can tell that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am. If you liked what you heard today, I'd love it if you'd head over to spadprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day, and I'll catch you on the next episode.